This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Go with me the book of Matthew 12, and this is something I, I really look forward to teaching on. Actually, at the start of the year, the Lord had really impressed on my heart to speak on several things this year, especially on Wednesday nights, that would begin to help us. As believers, and so the Holy Spirit was one of the things. And, you know, in, in our churches around the world, you hear stuff mentioned about Father God, which is good. You hear things mentioned about the Lord Jesus, which is good. But you hear very little, or if anything, about the Holy Spirit. But when you start studying the Bible, you find out that Father God and the Lord Jesus, they had great things to say about the Holy Spirit. Great things to say. So we're going to begin to dive in this just a little bit and pray that pastor has a little patience because I I start jumping out in front of myself. I get so excited. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says the makeup of mankind is spirit, soul, and body. That's every one of us in this room. That our spirit is different than our body. You know, when you die, this thing right here will decay. They'll they'll throw you in a grave and you will begin to decay because this isn't the real you. The real you is a spirit. But tucked in between my spirit and my body is a thing called my soul. For a person to be called a person... To be identified as a person, you must have a soul. What is the makeup of my soul? My soul is my mind, which has to do with my thinking. My will, which has to do with my desires. And my emotions would have to do with my feelings. And so every person that is a person has a soul. Now you say, where are you going with this? Well, I'm going somewhere with it. Look with me in Matthew 12. Matthew chapter 12, verse 18. Behold, my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved in whom my soul is well pleased, I will put my spirit upon him and he will declare justice to the Gentiles. Now this is Father God talking about the Lord Jesus, but I want you to catch right there in the middle, it says, my beloved in whom... My soul is well pleased. That's what Father God said. He said, my soul. So what does that tell you about Father God? Father God has a soul. Turn over a couple pages to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26. We begin in verse 38. Then Jesus said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Now this was Jesus. What did he say? He said, my soul. So it identifies some things right there with Father God and identifies some things with the Lord Jesus that they have a soul. They have a mind, a will, and emotions. They understood what it was to cry. I mean, when you read the Bible and says Jesus wept, that means he had emotions, he had feelings. Now, I'm going I'm to show you biblically later on tonight about how the Holy Spirit has a soul. He has a mind. But I want you to think just a little bit. If you've ever studied the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, 
Every one of the fruit of the Spirit has to do with emotions and feelings. Love, joy. What is joy? Joy is a feeling. Peace, patience, self-control, gentleness, kindness, meekness. And you know, even when you have pride, the opposite of meekness is pride. Pride is, a, is a, an emotion or a feeling because you know what? You act out ugly with it. And so the Holy Spirit, when he begins to move in us, he understands our soul. And he wants to help us in that area. Now, turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Isaiah, chapter 55. Isaiah 55, and I want to give you a little bit more here with Father God. And like I said, each week we're going we're gonna to dive off into this and take a little bit more so you get a, a biblical foundation on the importance and the significance of the Holy Spirit. And oh, he's, he is important. Uh, Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, this is Father God saying this. And it would be foolish for us to try to fit God into our mold, and it's foolish for us to, to make his plans and his purposes try to conform to everything we do. In other words, I can't shape God. God's the creator. I'm the creation. And he tells us right here, my thoughts are different than yours. Now, understand this about Father God. Father God is all-knowing. He's all-knowing. There's nothing he doesn't know. In, in, in other words, there's not a day that God hits himself in the head and says, Oh, my gosh, I've never had that thought. He's all-knowing. He knows everything. And so if I get that mindset that God's all-knowing, he, he, He's the one who created everything. Think in this sense with Father God. He tells the sun when to rise and when to set. He tells the stars when to twinkle. He tells the rivers which way to flow. He tells the ocean how far it can transgress. He tells the trees when to have leaves and to not. So you begin to see he created everything so he's all-knowing. So if he's all-knowing, he puts his spirit within us and the Holy Spirit begins to help us think in the way God would think. Now, I'm never going to fully achieve that, but he wants to help us. He wants to assist us. And I want to show you that biblically. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Holy Spirit, is he's known as the helper. Man, he wants to help us. Like I said, one of those characteristics of it, he wants us to help, and help us think in line with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, we, we really don't have a clue what he wants to do for us. I hasn't seen, ear hadn't heard, that God has some things that he wants to do for us. 
Keep reading, verse 10. But God has revealed them, the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Now, right there are several nuggets to us. If you want to know the deep things of God, you're not going to find them by reading Reader's Digest. He said right there specifically that he has revealed them to the Holy Spirit. Verse 11. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? So he's telling us him, as one's own inner thoughts are known only to himself, so the mind of God is only known by the Holy Spirit. Now, I can look at Chris right now, and I don't have a clue what's going on on the inside of him. Every one of us in this room, we could all say, well, Chris is thinking this and that. None of us know. The only one that knows that is him. But in this passage right here, it says specifically the only one that knows the thoughts or the mind of Father God was the Holy Spirit. Keep reading. Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, i, I got to stop just there because he tells us something there. He said, we have received the Holy Spirit. You don't earn the Holy Spirit. You don't beg for the Holy You receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same way that you receive Jesus. How many of you had to earn salvation through the Lord Jesus? Not one of us. We come to Jesus and we receive him, Lord, in my heart. So he tells us the same thing here about the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit, but the last thing that he says there, that the Spirit who is from God, which will freely given to us by God. God wants us to have the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. These things we also speak, not in word which man's wisdom teaches us, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. He compares spiritual things with spiritual in other words, the Holy Spirit interprets spiritual things to spiritual people. He'll help us. He'll help us understand spiritual things. He'll help us understand the Bible. How many of you have ever read the Bible and you look and say, I don't get it. I still do that. And so when I read the Bible, I will say, Holy Spirit, Give me insight. Give me understanding. Help me to understand this. And oh my gosh, there's days that the Holy Spirit will bring revelation knowledge and I'll think, my goodness, I have never seen it. How many have read a scripture literally hundreds of times and one day, bing, it comes to light and you say, oh my gosh. That's when the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate the word of God to us. Verse 14. But the, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. 
The natural man, guys, is devoid of the spirit. He has no appreciation of the gospel. So when we talk about the natural man, we're talking about a man who only knows his five physical senses. Everything in his life is determined by what I see, what I hear, when I touch, when I feel, every bit of that. Now, there's three types of man. There's the natural man, we just read it. There's the spiritual man, we're fixing to read about it, and the carnal man. Keep reading with me in verse 14. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. How many of you can think back into your life when the Word of God was foolish to you? What do you mean by that? And I used to look at the Word of God, and I thought, man, people who, who go to church, and they're a bunch of wackos. They're nuts. Why would you say that? Well, the Word of God or the gospel's foolishness to those who don't believe it, but part of the foolishness is you're going to believe in the Lord and Savior that you've never seen in your life? To the people of the world, that's foolish. You're going to pray to a God you've never seen? That's foolish to them. But something happens when the Word of God continues to mold me and shape me. So he keeps on saying here. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the spiritual man, guys, is the one who begins to possess spiritual maturity. He has a nature that responds to the truth. So to be a spiritual man, that isn't for someone just to say, oh, I'm spiritual. No, a, a spiritual man is a man that responds to the truth. And so you say, what is a carnal man there? Well, a carnal man is, is, a, is a believer that has never matured in the things of God. He's more concerned about the opinion of the world and the opinion of people than he is the opinion of the Word of God. Now that can happen to a lot of believers. I know believers, they don't put the Word of God first. They would rather listen to what this person says or that person. That's a carnal man. The ultimate goal for every one of us as believers is to become a spiritual man. How do I get there? I'm going to have to tell you, i got, I got to get filled with the Holy Spirit. i got to have Him on the inside of me. So turn with me there to, to the book of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So you're beginning to see some truths here. That if only way the, the mind of God is revealed to us is by the Holy Spirit. I better get to know the Holy Spirit. On an intimate way. On a personal way. And once again I will tell you this. The Holy Spirit's not weird. The Holy Spirit doesn't do goofy stuff. People do goofy stuff. The Holy Spirit doesn't do goofy stuff. The Holy Spirit is not spooky natural. The, the Holy Spirit I read about in the Bible, he's a gentleman. He's a perfect gentleman. And he will never force you to do anything. Ever. Romans chapter 8, verse 12. Therefore, brethren, believers, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Now, Paul lays out here two directions of life. And he shows the ultimate consequences of both of them. 
If I live by the flesh, I'll experience a death-like existence. If I live by the, uh, the Spirit, I'll experience life and blessings. And, and this is what he's getting over to here. Now, what is uncharacteristic he's talking about here is a Christian to walk according to the flesh. That's uncharacteristic of a Christian. And Paul warns us right there, don't do that. Don't do that. As Christians, don't be dominated by your flesh. Verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now, the phrase there that says as many are led by the Spirit of God, it describes the lifestyle of those who are sons of God. And Paul right here, he gives us encouragement not to live according to the flesh, but put to death the deeds of the body, which involves only by the Holy Spirit, and it's progressively by the Holy Spirit, day by day by day, putting to death the deeds of the the flesh. I don't believe he's saying you're going to put your flesh to death overnight. You just keep doing it and you keep doing it. But if you'll get a hold of that right there, he said specifically that the Holy Spirit would help us. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So he tells me right there, to be a son of God, you got to be learned to be led by the Spirit of God. To be led by the Spirit of God, i got to get to know the Spirit of God. How do I get to know the Spirit of God? I hang out with Him. Verse 15. Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Now, when you get born again, two things happen. First of all, you lose all your rights to that old family. That family of sin. But you gain all the the rights to your new family. The family of God. The blessings of God. And so because you got born again, you've become an heir. You are an heir to the things of God. Some of you didn't know. You're an heir. You're a joint heir. God wants you to be a part of the kingdom of God. And so to become a joint heir, there's some inheritance that I must learn what they are. Verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits. One of the best translations I've found for that says, the Spirit Himself joins with our spirits. Now look how that verse ends. We are the children of God. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. That would be a great confession for me. It's just to wake up tomorrow and I said, thank you, Father God, I'm a child. I'm a child of God. We sang that song Sunday morning. I'm a child of God. But this is really good right here. Now get a hold of this. It says, the Spirit of God will bear witness with my spirit. The Spirit of God will speak to my spirit. How does that happen again? The only way that happens is I must take time to get around the Holy Spirit. Think about this, and I'll use a natural analogy. When Shelly calls me on the phone, and I pick up the phone, and she says, hello, I don't say, who is this? You know why? I recognize her voice. How do I recognize her voice? 
I spent years in the making. Years and years and years. And what ultimately happens, the more time I spent with Shelley, the more intimate we become. And it's the same with the Spirit of God. The more time you spend with Him, the more you will get to know how He'll deal with your heart. And He'll deal with every one of our hearts. I don't care who you are. He wants to lead you by the Spirit of God. So it tells me right there, I've got to take time to get into His presence. I've got to hang around and begin to speak to Him and begin to talk to Him and then get quiet and wait on Him. Now, let me give you an, an analogy of how this happened to me just recently. Just a couple weeks ago, my son, he decided he's going to move to New York City. And the Lord bless him. But he said, Dad, I'm not going to take my car. He said, you need to come and get it. And so he lived in Austin, and so I'm making arrangements to go. Well, a couple days before I go, he calls, and he said, it's not running good. He said, I don't think you should come and get it. So I'm in this dilemma. Do I not go and get it, and he just sells it for nothing, or do I go and get it? So for a couple days... This, this is what's going on on the inside of me. It's like a tug of war. How many of you have ever had tug of war on the inside of you? Every one of us. The tug of war was saying, do you go get it or do you not go get it? And so on the inside of me, I'm juggling back and forth. So you know what I do? I come in here one day and I sit right here on these steps. And I said, Father God, I don't know what to do in this situation. But you do. And I asked God, I said, Lord, help me here. Holy Spirit, bear witness with my spirit. Let me know what I got to do. So I sat in here and I prayed and I just got in the presence of the Lord. And I said, Lord, do I go to Austin and get that car? Now understand this. It's a still small voice on the inside of me. It wasn't, go get the car, Stupid. It wasn't like, it was not a verbal or a vocal voice. It was on the inside of me. How did I know the Spirit of God? I've spent time with Him. I understood there was a peace there. When I listen for the Holy Spirit, if there's a peace there, it's if He's saying yes. It's like a green light. Go. How many times in your life have you ever gotten a red light? I have gotten red lights. I have had the, uh, almost a yuck in my spirit where the Lord was saying, don't do it. Don't do it. You know, it's not good to run a red light in the natural, but it's really not good when you run a red light in the spiritual because the Holy Spirit's trying to help you and you said, I'm going to do what I want. And then we get mad at God. But again, He'll lead us by our spirit if we'll just take time to get into the so what'd you do, Pastor? I went down and got it. And I drove it home, and there's still more to that story that you'll probably hear in the upcoming weeks. But I followed my heart on that. Listen, God will move in that way with you. He'll do those things. So we, we get to verse 16 again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. He joins with our spirits. Same chapter. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Woo! <laughs> now, 
that's me. That's you. Every one of us got weaknesses. And if you'll note there, he said, the Holy Spirit's desire is to help in our weaknesses. See, once again, I just want to show you biblically the significance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And you know, I know there's religious folk that said, the Holy Spirit is gone. He's dead. He's not around no more. I don't find that in the Bible, okay? It's very interesting to me that before Jesus died, the last thing he said to his disciples in Acts 1, he says, boys, don't depart from Jerusalem until you get filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. That was Jesus' prescription. Back to verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. I've been there. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, the word help there does not indicate that the Spirit of God prays for us. It indicates that the Spirit of God prays with us. In other words... I'm going to be the one that will begin to pray, but he will give me the utterance. And he said right here that there's things that cannot be uttered. This doesn't mean be silent. You know what it means? That there may not be words that you understand specifically. But I can't freak out about that. And so when I read this here, the promise carries a deep instruction. We dare not suppose we can Truly pray effectively on the sole basis of our perspective and understanding. Where's that in the Bible? Ephesians 6.18. You'll pray in the Spirit and you'll pray with your understanding. So oftentimes, guys, when I get to a place in my life and I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit does. How many of you have ever been woke up at night and you knew God wanted you to pray, but you didn't have a clue what to pray? That happens to me frequently. So you know what? I say, okay, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me. Now watch what takes place in verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Knows what the mind of the Spirit is. What does the mind have to do with my soul? Remember, my, my soul is made up of my mind, my will, and my emotions. And it says specifically right here what the mind of the Spirit is. You know what that just tells me? The Holy Spirit is a He. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a soul, and over and over, you'll see the Holy Spirit referenced as He. He's not a force. You don't have a relationship with a force. You have a relationship with a person. So don't treat the Holy Spirit like a force. He's not. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. Keep reading. He who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because... He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not according to my will, but when the Holy Spirit prays through you, He will pray the will of God. 
You know what that is? That's the perfect prayer. He knows exactly what we need to be prayed for, how we need to do it, all the above. And you know, one of the number one questions that believers will ask, I want to know what the will of God is for my life. How many of you have ever said that? Every one of us. What's the will of God for my life? What's the will of God for my life? Isn't it interesting right there that he said he will pray the perfect will of God? You know what that tells me? If I'll dig in and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, he'll join with my spirit and he'll begin to lead me. He will make you look like the smartest guy in your class. When everybody around you knows that's not the smartest tool in the shed right there. What happened? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. There's two types of the will of God. The general will and the specific will. Give me an illustration. Okay? Just think about marriage. If you want to know how to get married, all you got to do is get into the general will of God, which is the Word of God. The general will of God is the Word of God. So I go to Ephesians 5, and it tells me all about marriage. That's the general will. But it's not the specific will. What do I mean? Well, the general will tells me how. The specific will tells me who. And the specific will only comes from the Spirit of God. Before you got married, the Bible will tell you how to get married, but there's nowhere in the Bible I find that it says, Mary, Judy, attitude I can't find anywhere in there where it says, you need to marry Jimmy Jack the Maniac. It doesn't say any of those. So the only way that happens is the specific will of God, and the specific will of God only comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but there are times in my life that the general will is good. I know God's heart. You get in the Word, you get in His will. But there are times in my life I need the specific will of God. How many of you have ever applied for a job and you needed the specific will of God? The Holy Spirit will give it to you. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with you on that and He'll rise up on the inside. How many of you need directions on where your kids need to go to school? Well, I can go to this one or this one. Well, you can do that if you want. Or you can get specific. How many of you have ever bought a house? What type of house you want? Oh, I just want a red house. I just want a three-bedroom house. No. I can get over and become very specific, and I can say, Lord, this is what I want. And when you go into that house, the Holy Spirit will say, Hoop, there it is. How do I know that that's happened in my own life? We begin to hang out with the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, me and Shelly, we begin to crave the things of the Spirit of God. And there was one, one year that we decided to buy a house. And we went into this house, and it was really lovely. And, oh, she loved it. She loved it. And the realtor was a good friend of ours, and everybody loved it. And so I'm going through that house, and, and right there in the house, remember, Romans eight sixteen, the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit. The Spirit of God joins with our spirit. Right there in that back master bedroom, I'll never forget it. I sense, don't do it. Yuck, yuck, don't do it. Well, I don't want to be the party crasher. So we go back a couple times to look at it, and 
the, the realtor, she has the contract written out. And Shelly's like, yes, yes. And I came out and I said, dear, I'm not against buying you a house. But I'm not buying this house. I'm not buying that one. And I looked at them both and I said, I sense in my spirit not to do it. Well, a couple months passed and this better house opened and we got a better deal. But you know, six months after all that happened, that house that we had looked at was built up on a large mound of dirt. That dirt settled and all the floors in there began to crack. This is, this is God's truth. There were six-inch cracks in that floor. And I had a person say to me, thank God you didn't buy it. And I was like, "Woo, I'm a smart dude. No, I wasn't a smart dude. The Holy Ghost. So he'll do that with you. But I've got to take time to begin to get around him, begin to hang out with him. And I'll tell you in the upcoming weeks, just the little things that the Lord began to teach me on how to, to hear the Spirit of God. And to this day, I still treasure those things. And any time that there's certain issues that come up in my life, I say, oh, Holy Spirit, i got to have you. 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 I need, I need your direction. I need specific wisdom. I need the stuff from God right now. And he'll do the same for every one of us because he said, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. I can be filled with, you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I got to get a hold of this. And when you start seeing biblically some of the stuff, oftentimes in our life, we wonder, why haven't I ever seen that? I want the thoughts of God. And remember, they only come from the Spirit of God because He revealed them to the Spirit. Once again, I will highlight this. The Holy Spirit's not weird. I don't know what all you've seen... You know, some of you, you, you were in church, and, and I know some of you in this room will identify with this. In my early years of the church, it was wild. It was, it was so out of control. I mean, you think Barnum and Bailey Thring Ring Circus was entertaining? You ought to have seen the church. People running and jumping chairs and acting crazy and stuff. And what would happen... Now think about this. What would happen? People would say, oh, that's a move of God. That's a move of God. Well, you would never take anybody to church with you. You know why? Because you knew Sister Crazy Flake was going to do something goofy. And you said, I don't want to take them there. They'll, they'll freak out. You've been there. I've been there. I never wanted anybody. Or if you did take a friend with you to church, about five to ten, you knew, oh, no. Brother Longtongue getting ready to come at it. And sure enough, it's like clockwork, and he would come out and do something crazy. And so I was in a church that loved Jesus, but we never grew. We never were evangelistic, and that's the number one thing about the kingdom of God. You've got to reach the lost. But there is a balance, and so what happened there back in the late 70s and early 80s, the church was in this ditch. Everything was nutty, flaky, bunch of granola Christians. Do, do, do. Everything was spooky. And then what I saw happen, the church swung all the way over to this, this ditch. And you know what we said? We're not going to allow any of that. We're going to suffocate the Holy Ghost. 
And I saw that, I witnessed that. But I believe right now, according to Acts 2, he said in these last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. I believe God's wanting us to get us where there's a balance. Where when the Holy Spirit moves, you look and say, that's a God thing. That's not a man thing, that's a God thing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.